Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Where's the Slim Jim? Where's my Slim Jim? Grandma, I think something got lost in the mail. Did you know that the city of Clive has a herd of goats and they have them around City Hall to eat, you know, the invasive landscaping? So, so they have lawn care by goats. They have lawn care by goats. Oh, I like exactly. this. And they keep them enclosed in certain areas mm-hmm. so that they eat the bad stuff. You yeah. know, and it's it's fantastic. On Tuesday, when they were herding their goats to a different area, one of the goats got away. There was a great goat escape. There was a great goat escape. And the goat was gone for four days. Oh no. They started having sightings. Of the goat on oh, people's, man. people's ring, uh, you know, the, the, oh, the yeah, ring the cameras. Yeah, they were seeing them, seeing this goat, like standing, <laughs> standing there staring <laughs> at Running their around houses. eating their creeping Charlie? <laughs> I wish. So, so the goat is running around until a couple were on their way somewhere on Friday and all of a sudden she screamed, there he is! There's the goat! So this couple... <laughs> This couple goes and they trap the goat in a business parking lot. And do you know what they used as bait? What did they use? A relish tray. Naturally. <laughs> a relish tray left over from their Thanksgiving dinner. Oh my they goodness. They managed to trap the goat on Friday in a business parking lot with a relish tray and the goat was returned. So Clive had a city employee on the loose. The city employee is a goat, and his name is Steve. And we want to hear your strange animal encounters. I live in West Des Moines in, like, a complex of townhomes, and walked outside one morning to take my dog out. This is actually, like, a month and a half ago. Walked outside to take my dog out, and I was hearing a noise and couldn't figure out what it was and took her out a couple hours later and found a chicken in my front yard. A chicken? (laughs) Yeah, just kind of making herself at home, you know, making a nest and... Middle of West Des Moines, there's not supposed to be chickens, and especially say. not in townhomes. No. But she was wandering around and wouldn't let me get close to her, and <laughs> one of my male neighbors finally leapt on her and grabbed the chicken. And we put it in a dog crate, and my sister knew a lady who had a farm, and we took it down to coming and gave it to this lady. Still have no idea where it came from. No one, no one knows anyone There's around no, the area. Nobody who's like, ah, oh, yes, that's my suburban chicken. I can't believe a guy leapt on the chicken. <laughs> right, it was protesting very much so. I'm sure it was. <laughs> Vicky, you've got an animal encounter to tell us about. My granddaughter was eight, and her two brothers were twelve and fourteen. And I'd gone down in the basement to get a load of laundry out of the washer and something just swished by my head oh no swished and i thought uh-huh this is something that doesn't belong here <laughs> <laughs> and so i got to looking around and it swished by again it oh, was a bat yeah oh boy i knew that was coming and oh. so i went upstairs and i told my grandkids i said there's a bat in the basement and they said don't worry nana we'll get it <laughs> and they w- went into the kitchen for their weapons of mass destruction <laughs> and they got 
a wooden spoon and a spatula and the oldest one had an ice cream scoop. I don't know what they thought they were going to do. They went to the basement and all I could hear is the kids screaming, you get him, no, you get him. So up they all come and I heard them say, we got it. And up they all come, the two boys come up and I didn't see the bat. And here comes my eight-year-old granddaughter. She's got the bat in the pocket of her hoodie. <laughs> and she's carrying it to the front door. She says, we ain't killing it, Nana. We're turning it loose. <laughs> so she went to the front door, and she was saying all kinds of nice things to him, like, you have a good day, Bat. Um, <laughs> I hope we didn't hurt you. <laughs> Just... I am so glad that... Steve the goat, owned by the city of Clive, got out and escaped for four and a half days Mm -hmm. because now we get to hear your animal encounter stories. I was doing my very first stint as a student teacher in a small little school district, and I had gone to their open house night to be able to meet the parents and meet the students, and it was in a kindergarten classroom. I'm just talking to some of the kids, and another little kindergartner just sweet little girl comes into the classroom and says, hold this. And I put my hands out and I take it to only discover it was a bearded dragon. No! <laughs> were, were you able to hold it in your hands? You didn't like toss it back at him? I, I did. I held it, but I went into like freeze mode. Like my body went all rigid like a lizard. It was looking at me and I was looking at it and I'm like, I don't know what to do with you, buddy. Like, don't move. <laughs> He came back a couple of times and we became best friends. Oh, good. I put him on my shoulder while I taught and I felt like Miss Frizzle and <laughs> it was great. Hey, Rodney, where did you have your animal encounter? I worked at a tire plant. We've had several animals in there, but the strangest ones were an iguana was running around there all summer long. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, what? About a four foot iguana got loose from the neighbor. His name was Bunny. Bunny. <laughs> Bunny, Bunny the iguana. I kid you not. And it'll run up a tree and it'll completely disappear. You couldn't even see him because he's green. And then it started turning fall. ARL finally came out and caught the thing. How did the ARL catch the iguana? With a fishing net. <laughs> All right. They caught the iguana named Bunny with a fishing net. Right. Mutual of Omaha Wildlife. We've, we've got all of yeah. McDonald's farm involved in this story. Oh, yeah. I was shocked when I saw the headline for this, but it said, Coming to the Mall of America, the Museum of Failure. <laughs> the Museum Literally, of Failure. Literally, it's an entire museum of like all of the products and concepts and initiatives that just crashed and burned. Oh, I bet you there's some good stuff in well, there. They've got like New Coke is in there. Well, New Coke was a massive fail. Now, remember when they tried to do fat-free uh, Pringles and they did not agree with people very much? All that fat-free, all of that stuff. They've that got that. Made people very sick. They have an entire like <laughs> mural painted with failed flavors of Oreos. Waffles and syrup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like all, all the ones that they released and everybody was like, no, thank you. No, They've got no. like the Swedish fish Oreos up there, like everything. Nope. 
And, and I think it's so fun because it's not to laugh at these and say, can't you believe someone actually thought this was a good idea? In the mission statement for this museum, they say the majority of innovations and experiments will fail. Of course they will. Because you're not going to change the world on your first try. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. And so the whole point of the museum is to say that advancement and innovation and great things don't happen without accepting that you probably will fail along the way. Ooh, that's hard for some of us. Definitely not us, though. <laughs> some, some of others. We've gotten used to failing. I've gotten a lot, got a lot of failures. I'm really good at that part. I'm really good at it. Failure. Huh. Even the very word is just kind of ominous. Like we like to say mess up, mix the mark. Yeah. But failure. Failure. But the thing is, is that, I mean, where would we be without Failure. I think sometimes you have to be willing to fail in yes. order to really succeed. And uh, Jerry actually had some advice when he felt like he was failing. When I was going to graduate school, my uh, graduate professor told me as I was getting ready to graduate that I had not failed to find a solution 10,000 times. Hmm. He said that I, I merely found 10,000 ways it didn't work, and that was required to find out the one way it would work. I love I that. I like that's a great perspective. It really bothered me when I was getting ready to graduate, and I had not succeeded in what I had started. But he helped out a lot with that thought. One of the things that's sure is that if you're here listening, you had a birthday. Yeah, that's... Right? You, Safe to say. Everybody has a birthday, mm-hmm. right? It's there, a, was, there was a day that you were born. <laughs> it's a fixed date. We also always know that there are certain holidays that fall on certain days, mm-hmm. right? Like Christmas, fixed date. The 4th of July, always on July 4. So what do you do when you have a birthday on Christmas? Well, I have a friend whose husband, her, his birthday lands right around Christmas. So this year, what are they doing? They're having a merry, happy Christmas birthday party. <laughs> merry, happy Christmas birthday party. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I love that. So what, d- does he hit a pinata, but it's also a Christmas tree? He has no idea it's happening. It's a surprise. Oh. <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't have talked about it they're on not live listening. radio. They're not listening. Oh, they're missing out. <laughs> hey, Steph, you've got thoughts on your birthday being near an important day? My birthday sometimes falls on election day. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> How do you celebrate your birthday when it falls on election day? Well, I have to look at the calendar and see if next year my big birthday falls on election day. And if it does, then we're having a big election day party. You would really do election party over birthday party? Well, I'll include my birthday. Oh, <laughs> We could vote on whether she should celebrate her birthday or election day. You should. I think we should vote Taylor off the island for his bad jokes. Hey now. That's what I think. Hey now. I'm trying to think how you could do an election-themed birthday party. Oh, I've got some ideas. <laughs> I'm sure many do. All I know is every time I walked into the room, I better be here and hail to the chief. <laughs> it happens. Mm-hmm. You've got a birthday. You got a major holiday, and they collide. And what wins? So my son, he is special needs, and he has a birthday on the 4th of July. 
and he still thinks that the fireworks are for him. <laughs> and who's to say they're not? You're not going to correct him, are you? He goes around telling people, well, I get fireworks on my birthday. What do you get? You know? <laughs> I was just curious, how do people handle it when you have a loved one that was born on a major holiday? Todd has a pretty good solution. My brother is born on Christmas, so I always call him first thing in the morning and wish him a happy birthday, and then call him later in the day and wish him a Merry Christmas. (laughs) Maybe you see it and you think to yourself, oh, poor thing, because we all have friends or family members, or maybe it's you, and you have... Your one and only birthday, you only get one, and you have to share it with a major holiday. How does that work out in your life, Dee? My granddaughter turned nine on Thanksgiving Day this year. Okay, so what'd you guys do? Well, we had Thanksgiving like normal. And she wanted pumpkin pie instead of birthday cake, which worked out great. Oh yeah. And then we opened her presents after we had dessert. Did you put candles in the pumpkin pie? No, but I took that ready whip stuff and wrote happy B-Day. That's about all I could fit on the pie. (laughs) This is something that demands an opinion. Oh, boy. I know there are not a lot of places that you can give your opinion right now, so we are providing that to you. (laughs) That's hilarious. I saw a friend post about a little bit of a, a tiff, an argument, a squabble, if you will. That she was having with her husband. Tell me, was it over Christmas decorations? It was over Christmas decorations. There's always Christmas wars. Have you ever noticed that? There's always something. And this one, I did not know this was something you could argue over, but I suddenly realized I had an opinion on it. You do? Because she and her husband were finally coming to terms that they decorate their Christmas tree very differently. Okay, how long have they been together? Oh man, over 20 years. Like this, this is a and long. And they're just now figuring long, this out. You know, some things bubble to the surface later. What? What is it? What part of decorating the Christmas tree? A star, an angel, a it's, ribbon. It's what? the lights and how you string them on the tree. Oh, the Christmas lights. Yeah, all their marriage, she has been stringing them from the top of the tree around and around and around and around, all the way down to the bottom to get even coverage. Right. But he told her, you know what? It's actually more efficient if you start at the bottom of the tree. And wind the lights up and up and up and up to the top. What? No. I I didn't know this was a thing you could have strong opinions about, but the comments section on her Facebook, people were going to bat for each side. Efficient? Yeah. More efficient? Is that what we're going for? Efficient? I mean, if it's efficient and beautiful, that's two wins. There is a simple reason why I have an opinion. (laughs) Oh, really? <laughs> on, on Christmas tree lights. People just have strong opinions about Christmas in general, I think. And it's simply based on my stature. You're so- <laughs> I'm short. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm not going to start lighting the Christmas tree from the top, right? That's a long way for you to reach. Exactly. So I plug in the Christmas tree lights. I make sure every strand works. This mm-hmm. year I had a strand that didn't work. I thought I was going to have to run out to wherever and get another strand of Christmas lights. But fortunately, like many other Christmas decorations, I have way too many anyway. (laughs) So I plug it in and then I start wrapping from the bottom to the top. It only makes sense. And then about uh, three quarters of the way through the tree, after I have strained and tried to do it as best as I could, I finally have to give in and go get the step stool.
So here's a question. Yes. If you were six foot eight, mm-hmm. would you start wrapping your Christmas tree from the top? Yes. <laughs> okay. Because I could. <laughs> My parents avoid this entire problem by having a pre-lit Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. yeah see, but I, I, do, I think that's kind of feels like it's cheating. I mean, shouldn't Christmas be hard work? <laughs> Part of the joy of Christmas is feeling frustrated as you try to wrap the Christmas tree. I start from the bottom because I'm short. I like to plug it in and then start wrapping from the bottom and go to the top so I don't have to get up on my step stool until the very end. So we want to know, do you wrap your Christmas tree bottom to top or top to bottom? I do it from top to bottom and I'm also short, but I like to start at the top so it gets easier as you go down. Oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's one way to think about it. I stand on the side of the couch <laughs> at the top and go all the way down. And then also, as you you can straighten them out better if it's just going down, because then you just drop it a level easier. You stand on the side of the couch. Yep. <laughs> There's big traditions, there's little traditions, there's family traditions, there's those traditions that people look at from the outside of the family and go, okay, that's weird. But But to you... It wouldn't be Christmas without it. So we want to know, what is that it wouldn't be Christmas without it, even if it's a little weird tradition? My grandma and grandpa celebrated their very first Christmas and didn't really have a whole lot. So they decided on Christmas Eve to cook... The only thing they had in their cupboard, which was canned potatoes and canned salmon. And so ever since then, my grandpa had done fried potatoes and we had cooked salmon up and through. It'll be this year. So um, after my grandpa passed, uh, we're still going to try and carry on that tradition moving forward. Every single year, potatoes and salmon. Canned potatoes and canned salmon. Well, it was canned potatoes until probably Grandpa could make it some. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> You've upgraded from the canned potatoes. It's evolved just a little bit. I... I can't even tell you how much I love that. That's so cool. That is, and it wouldn't be Christmas without it, right? It won't be. And so without Grandpa this year, it will definitely be something that I think the family said we will try to make happen for my grandma and the rest of the family. To the outsider, might look a little odd, not super Christmassy, not not like what you'd expect. But to you, if it wasn't there, it's like there'd be a piece just missing from your holiday season. I always looked forward to the <laughs> box of gifts that would come from my mom's mom. She lived in Ohio uh-huh. and she would send down just a big box that we would open up. It would have all the presents in there wrapped up oh, individually. Yeah. Everything wrapped individually. So we'd pull them all out and we'd set them under the tree. And there was always one. My brother and I would get the same thing. And we always knew what it was. I'm laughing because I know what this is. Because it was wrapped individually. It was kind of a long, long longish package. And it was a Slim Jim. My grandma would individually wrap a Slim Jim. One of the long ones? No, like just one of the regular Regular ones. Like, you know, you get it at the checkout line at the store. But let me tell you, I got so excited about my Christmas Slim Jim. Snap into that bad boy. And I was, man, I was holly and jolly. And it wouldn't be Christmas without it. No, like if it wasn't there, it was like, where's the Slim Jim? Where's my Slim Jim? Grandma, I think something got lost in the mail. (laughs) 
It may be a little strange, weird, annoying, or just nostalgic, but it wouldn't be Christmas without it. You got one of those, Lindsay? I have twin boys, and they're now five, but for the past, like, give or take three years, my mom had a, an ornament on her tree. And all I'm going to say about this ornament is it plays the Christmas chipmunk song, and I've probably already heard it this year alone 150 times. So how do you feel about hula hoops? So, um, yeah. <laughs> but the, literally, it's like... Every year, my boys get to put this little ornament on the tree, but then next thing you know, it's not even on the tree, and it's in their room somewhere. But it's back on the tree now. No batteries in it. I think they created the word endearing to describe this very thing. It may be weird to other people. But there's something that has to happen for you and your family or else it's just not Christmas. I had an aunt who thought every kid should get like a treat. Well, there were 25 kids. I mean, like there were so many kids. And so she would give every kid, she would wrap these, an eight pack of individually wrapped little things of Kleenex. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it was every year. Every year. And you had to act surprised. What? (laughs) Just what I've been hoping for. And we all, like, took turns opening. So then it was like, yay, thank you. 25 times. She was the sweetest older lady ever. And, like, honestly, I can't look at a little pack of Kleenexes for my purse and not get a warm fuzzy. The Taylor and Jen Podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.